Good morning, Europe, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, John. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Now on to another busy weekend of sport, Jono. Um, NRL, we'll start with there. Um, a split round due to, obviously, state of origin this week. Um, so only four games over the weekend. Dragons defeated the Broncos 52 points to 24. Uh, Dragons fullback Matt Dufty starring for the red and white, while also Jack DeBellin uh, made his long return uh, for the Dragons. So um, I guess good to see Jack DeBellin back on the NRL field. West Tigers upset the Panthers on Friday night, 26 points to 6. That was the Panthers' first loss of the year. Um, so a big win for the West Tigers there. Melbourne down Gold Coast, 20 points to 14, while Parramatta rounded the round out over the weekend by destroying the Knights, 40 points to 4. All that means is Penrith do stay top still. Um, and the Tigers now only sit two points outside of the eight. So um, some interesting results over the weekend, Jono, and, and the Panthers, uh, I guess, have their first loss um, of the year. Yeah, Panthers dropping points for the first time in the year, but still in control of the table right now. Um, and then, as you said, the Tigers creeping in there. It'll be interesting to see as the teams kind of keep progressing. We're getting a little bit more deeper into the season. Um, see if they can kind of creep on into that top eight. As I mentioned too, State of Origin this Wednesday night, Jono. So um, obviously the game is now being moved to Townsville due to the COVID issues that Melbourne um, are having. Um are you looking forward to it, John? Do you think it's, do you think it's going to be obviously a good battle up there? And obviously, the game moving to Townsville, how much of an advantage do you think that is for the Queenslanders? Oh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And as you said, a big, big move from in, a, in geographically terms from Melbourne all the way up to Townsville. Um, of course, you kind of think that that's going to hold advantage there to um, Queensland. But um, at the same time as well, you kind of look at the differences as well and the conditions that um, you would be playing in. If you're playing in Melbourne, the conditions would have been probably potentially wet, cold, raining. Whereas when you're going up to Queensland, it's probably going to be really dry. It's probably not going to rain. Um, so a little bit cleaner of conditions to be playing in. So possibly conditions-wise, that can kind of suit New South Wales. But I think home crowd-wise, that's definitely going to, of course, Queensland's going to have the advantage there. Yeah, it should be a pretty fast track up in Townsville. So hopefully some expansive rugby league um, from both teams. And obviously... Um, I guess some huge debuts, especially in the Blues team. You've got, obviously, Jerome Luai in the halves with Nathan Cleary. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, obviously, James Tedesco will be, again, a key for the New South Wales team, captaining, captaining the team. And obviously, the return of Latrell Mitchell, um, obviously, after his... Um, obviously had a few off-field issues last year. It's good to see him return in the centres, uh, probably with Tom Travojevic. So it'll be interesting to see how the Queensland team goes. I guess on the other half of it, Queensland um, have had a few injury issues um, coming into uh, the first game, um, obviously we've got uh, Cameron Munster, who hasn't been playing for Melbourne Storm over the last few weeks, but obviously he's been announced that he will be fit um, for Wednesday night. Um, Dane Gagai is actually um, also suffering from a little bit of tonsillitis, um, so he has been left out of the training at the moment, but again, he should be fine um, for Wednesday evening. I guess the other big one is Harry Grant. Looks like he will also play on, on Wednesday night, obviously after his starring role last year. So I think, it, as always, I think it'll be... Um, a great game. Hopefully, both teams uh, really bring it and should be a great contest up there in Townsville. Jono, who wins and what do you think the margin will be? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of just comes down to, as you kind of said, as you're giving kind of the headline players, a lot of 
kind of uh, injuries in a sense to that Queensland team. They've been a little bit bruised and battered, not necessarily in the greatest of form. So although they might be playing in a sense in Queensland, I do still think the first game, I think New South Wales is going to win this game one. I think it's going to be about 18-14, New South Wales on top for the first game, and then we'll kind of see from there. I'm going to go New South Wales as well. I think this first game is actually bigger for them to win than even Queensland. Obviously, second game goes back to Suncorp. I think New South Wales uh, win, and they win by eight, I think is uh, what's going to happen. But we'll all see on Wednesday night. Very excited for the start of State of Origin. Definitely. AFL, it was a continuation of the Indigenous and Sir Doug Nichols round uh, this weekend. Um, due to COVID as well, all Melbourne teams um, and games were moved out of Melbourne. So, obviously, they were scattered around uh, through Sydney and, and WA. Um, big top-of-the-table clash on Friday, well, for the first game was Melbourne defeated Brisbane 97-75. to So, they're really uh, proving their credentials as a flag favourite uh, Melbourne at the moment. Sydney had a big win over St Kilda, 92 points to 83, while Collingwood chalked up an important victory over Adelaide in Adelaide, 78 points to 73. Richmond defeated Essendon in the traditional Dreamtime clash, um, 123 points to 84. West Coast defeated Carlton, 95 points to 73. And Western Bulldogs defeated Fremantle, 93 to 65. So Melbourne stay top, um, while the Swans strengthen their place in the eight and stay sixth. So, um, some, again, some significant results over the weekend, Jono and and Melbourne continue their great form, um, defeating a very good Brisbane Lions team. Yeah, as we said, you know Melbourne backing up a performance. They had one great performance before that. Now again, just another great performance, and they're really proving their worth there at the top. Um, as it stands right now, you just kind of don't you don't see them kind of dropping any more points in the next couple of weeks. Um, but we'll really see. And then, the, as you said as well, the rest of the table starting to strengthen up. Sydney trying to make a little pack, little push there as well. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how that all kind of fizzles out and who's actually going to be the one to take down Melbourne. Absolutely. Um, in football, it's award season over in the English Premier League. Um, player of the season was awarded to Manchester City defender Ruben Diaz. Young player of the season um, to, again, Manchester City player Phil Foden. Manager of the season was a clean sweep here for the City, was Pep Guardiola took it as manager of the season. While the goal of the season was Eric Lamella's Rabona against Arsenal. So if you haven't seen it, jump on YouTube and give yeah. it a look. It is definitely a fantastic strike by Eric Lamella. Also, Comnebol. Return so South American World Cup qualifiers over the weekend. Bolivia defeated Venezuela 3 1. Uruguay and Paraguay drew 0 0. Argentina won, Chile won. It was the first game the Argentinian national team have played since the passing of Diego Maradona. He was um, emblazed on their jersey as a special jersey um, in tribute to the great late Diego Maradona. Colombia defeated Peru 3 0, while Brazil defeated Ecuador 2 0. So Brazil stayed top, followed by Argentina and Ecuador in the World Cup qualifiers in South America. A League, the top six are now set for the finals, Jonah. So it did come down to the last round. Adelaide confirmed their spot with a 2 2 draw against Western Sydney. Wellington defeated MacArthur 3 0. Sydney FC defeated Brisbane Raw 2 0. Central Coast defeated Western United 2 0, while Newcastle and Perth drew 1 1. And Melbourne victory drew 1-1 with Melbourne City. So all that means is elimination finals are now set for next weekend. Central Close will play MacArthur. The winner of that will then play Melbourne City the week after. Brisbane Raw play Adelaide United. The winner of that will play Sydney FC. So uh, finals football is here, John. It's always um, great to see. Oh, it's here and it's coming at a great time as well. We're going to have lots of football action here um, in Australia with this, as well as the Heroes this, uh, this weekend. So it's going to be great to see. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that Central Coast game. 
see if they can kind of prove their worth uh, a little bit more. I know we had they had a great, great start to the season, kind of dropped off a little bit, but I still think they're an excellent team this year. And um, to see, hopefully, they can make a little bit of a push there to the finals. Also, the A-League's obviously been um, in the headlines with the W-League in regards to the new television deal that has been signed. So, um, obviously, the new deal is a five-year, $200 million broadcast deal with 10 and U.S. streaming service Paramount+. Plus. Um, the A-League uh, will be broadcast live on Channel 10 um, on Saturday night, while one W-League game will be broadcast live on Sunday afternoon. The rest of the games will be, will be available on Paramount+. Plus. Um, which is coming to Australia in August. John, what do you think of this new television deal? Do you think it um, has the potential to grow uh, the game of football within this country? Yeah, I mean, I think getting some games at least back um, on free-to-air, things like that, that's a great thing. You know, I do hate the whole you have to buy a million different services to watch these games, you know, but I guess that's the reality of it as well that, you know, it comes down to they want to try and make some profits out of everything. Um, but I do think that bringing it to 10 as well and getting some games on free air for both men and women, I think that's a huge step in the right direction. Let's get some games out there. Let's make sure that there are those viewers who are watching it. And let's make sure that we push it as well to the casual viewers as well so we can pick up some more casual fans who maybe have dropped off in the last couple of years because it's been harder to access. So hopefully this gives a little bit more access to actually viewing and that in a sense, will then grow the viewership and grow the fan base as well. So It also signals the end of uh, Fox Sports' relationship with the A-League. So they were obviously there from there in the beginning from 2005. So that 16-year relationship has now uh, will now end uh, once the new season begins. Also in some other broadcast news, Optus Sport have landed the uh, broadcast rights for the Women's World Cup in 2023, which will be obviously played here in Australia and New Zealand. So some great uh, news, I guess, and opportunity for Optus Sport with the World Cup coming. The other, I guess, news that's been coming out of South America is the Copa America, which has now been moved to Brazil. Um, but there's still some major issues yeah. whether or not that tournament will move forward. Obviously, Brazil is still a red zone in regards to COVID. Um, originally, it was going to be played in Argentina and Colombia. So be interesting to see what happens with the Copa America moving forward. Um, NBA playoffs, Jono. We're well underway. Um, we'll touch on Lakers gone. LeBron, your Phoenix Suns proved a little bit too good. Uh, Chris Paul was amazing. Um First time LeBron has been knocked down in the first round of playoffs in his whole career, so a huge moment there. The Brooklyn Nets are a little bit too good for Milwaukee Bucks in the first of their uh, semifinal conference series, while Atlanta defeated Philadelphia 76ers in their first game of the conference semis. The other LA team, they just did enough. The Clippers downed the Mavs um, in Game 7 to get through to the semifinals of the West. Kawhi Leonard coming up huge in that game, so uh, Jono... Uh, the NBA playoffs, um, they're proving exciting and some great matchups. Oh, definitely. I think it's just been nothing less than excitement. Um, it's been great to watch. And as you said, um, your Lakers are unfortunately out. The defending champs are out. My Phoenix Suns was able to take them down. And I think, you know, potentially they can make a good run at it. Um, and as we've been seeing as well, it's not always what you think with the playoffs as of right now. I mean, yes, you have Brooklyn on one side kind of, in a sense, in my eyes, kind of in cruise control. But then you have something like Atlanta coming up against Philadelphia as well in this next round. And, and they've already taken game one. I think that's huge. So you don't you don't exactly know. You know, you even thought probably the Lakers, I know they weren't necessarily as healthy as they should have been. But um, you would have thought that they would have been able to um, push a little bit more in those last two games, and that didn't necessarily happen. So anything could happen, and I think the matchups have been great. Um, I'm really excited for the next couple games coming up and um, to see a new winner, I guess, you know, somebody, somebody new. And I think that what this shows as well is there's a lot of young talent out there that's really producing right now, and I think it shows that the league is actually finally at a place where it's in a good, good, good hands right now for that turnover because it's going to happen. 
you know, your Currys, your LeBrons, your Durants are soon going to slowly be phased out for that new younger generation. And right now it's proving that they're just as exciting as those current ones. So I think that's really, really good for the league to be looking at right now. And I'm just excited to see who's going to keep on going in these next couple games. And um, maybe we can get a couple more Game 7s because everybody loves a nice little nail-biter there at the end. Definitely should be uh, some great action over the next few weeks. French Open. And sadly, so most of the uh, news coming out of Paris has been off the court. Um, obviously, the sad withdrawal of Naomi Osaka due to her um, mental health and obviously the media issues that she was having with the French officials. So that was sad to see um, her tournament ended early. Um, Roger Federer also withdrawing from the French Open. So that was just, this was before his fourth round match, uh, citing he wanted to save his body for Wimbledon. And he has been criticized for that um, motivation. John, I don't know what you thought about um, his withdrawal and, and sort of the impact that also has on, on the tournament moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you look at it from a perspective of, of course, he knows his body best, he knows his limits and everything like that. And look, these tournaments, of course, do take a toll on your body. You know, you're when you're playing tennis, the games are so long. They're pretty much, you know, you have a couple days rest and you keep on going. So you know what? Yes, in his mind, he might be thinking, you know, Wimbledon is mine. This is the one that I'm that I that I feel most comfortable. About. I want to save myself for that because he's just been injury, injury after injury. And maybe this is also a sign as well that. His retirement is, is creeping up there, that it's going to happen sooner than later. So, so it might be that he just wants to finish on top, and then that's that. So it could be a sign of that. Yes, I understand why people can get angry at this as well. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's essentially his decision in terms of his body, and that's why he's making that decision for his own individual health. Um, and when you're an athlete and when you're under that much stress, you do have to put your health sometimes in, in up there first before anything else. On the court, um, Serena Williams quest for a 24th Grand Slam will have to wait again yeah. as she was upset by Elena Rybakina um, in straight sets. While Stefan Tsitsipas on the men's side has continued his great run, his drive for his first Grand Slam. So the Greek uh, got round through his fourth round match. He'll also be joined by second seed Russian Denny Medvedev. So um, still some great tennis being played um, in Paris. Formula 1, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. A little bit of drama over um, overnight or, or during the weekend. Sergio Perez won it while Sebastian Vettel finished second, followed by Pierre Gasly, who finished third. And in the cricket, the first test between England and New Zealand has ended in a draw at Lord, so they will move into the second test um, through there, obviously both drawing the first test. This weekend, Jono, um, signals the start of Euro 2020, obviously yeah. being 2021. We had that delay from last year due to COVID. Um, always exciting um when these big tournaments come around and obviously seeing how each team stacks up. Uh, before we go into the little bit of the groups, um, how much are you looking forward to um, the start of this tournament? Obviously, um, the Italians will play Turkey Saturday morning Australian time to open the tournament. Um, how forward are you looking to seeing some of the best national teams go about and obviously some of the best players um, on the planet also uh, go for these Euros? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a different feel when you watch international football. It's just there's something something about it that just it hooks you right away. And I think that this year as well, the, this this Euros, the quality of players on these teams is is immense. And I think that when you look at any of these, let's call them kind of top teams in terms of let's say where they're ranked FIFA ranking or who essentially the big dogs. Um, any of them could win. You know, you really could. I know there's, you know, some who might be a little bit better, but any of them can win because they just have quality up through and through. 
Um, and I'm just, I mean, there's just something about, like I said, Euros, World Cup, anytime that international shirt goes on, it's just something about that just makes you want to watch and some, and special things happen all the time. So I'm really, really excited for this. Um, and I'm really excited for the potential of anything could happen and maybe an underdog kind of story um, could kind of present itself. But it's um, it's definitely going to be something that would, uh, you have to tune into every single game and I um, wouldn't miss it for the world. Looking at the groups, uh, we'll start with Group A. We've got Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Um, obviously, the Italians hot favourites to, to get out of this group, and they've been in some great form, Jono. Um, some great young midfielders coming through uh, with Roberto Mancini at the helm. Um, how do you see this group, and who do you think will join Italy in regards to getting out of Group A? Yeah, I mean, Italy kind of in there at the favourites. Um, as much as they're not maybe the out-and-out favourites to win it all, they're definitely the favourites in this group. Um, and as you said, there's been really good football played out from the rest of those teams there. You know, Switzerland, Turkey, both those teams have always been up there in terms of they can produce some some uh, pretty good results. I think if you're looking at in-form play right now, I would have to say Turkey's most likely going to go ahead and join them in in one and two. However, that kind of shakes out um, for the group. It'd be interesting to also see how the Welsh go, obviously, after their great Euro 2016, where they made it all the way through the semis. Um, very much come down to how Gareth Bale goes. Obviously, their big players, Aaron Ramsey, and like so, and we'll see how they go. But um, I agree. I think Turkey, uh, I think Italy and Turkey will finish one and two for Group A. Group B, we have Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Um, obviously, Belgium coming into this tournament with a few question marks over the aging defense and obviously the fitness of a couple yep. of their key players, including Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne. Um, how do you think this group will shape up? The Danes, I think, will be a could be a tough assignment as well. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think people should forget about what Russia did in the last World Cup as well. They made it quite a good run. Not that they have anybody that, let's say, is an out-and-out superstar in terms of global appearance, but they just grind out results and they play quite tough. So I actually think that this group is a lot harder than people might when they just kind of take a look at it. Of course, Belgium is the favorites in this group, um, and I think that they still have enough quality to, to go out of the group. Um, you know, I... I Push Denmark is most likely going to be the ones to um, to get out there number two, but I wouldn't put it past Russia getting up there um, and potentially getting that two spot as well. I think that that two spots up for grabs between the two of them. Um, so I'm going to give Denmark the slight edge, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be um, put it past them if Russia was able to get that number two spot. I agree. I think Belgium will finish top. They'll have enough. I think Danes will finish second in that group. And obviously, we do have to remember there will be fourth best third-place yeah. teams that will go through. So um, that could also be an intriguing battle to see yeah. um, which teams are able to do that. Group C, we have the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Now, the Dutch, under Ronald Koeman, looked like they were um, progressing, and there were some really some exciting um, you know, noise coming out of Holland. Uh, since, obviously, Koeman moving to Barcelona, you've had a Ronald Le Boer come in and take over. Mm. And they just seem to be a little bit all over the place, Jono. They do have some talent there, but the thing I have, the concern with the Dutch is where the goal's going to come. We've obviously got Memphis Defy up front, but um, they don't have an out-and-out goal scorer. Yeah. They've still got some lots of young talent in the midfield and obviously defensively, but no Van Dyke obviously, for this tournament. How do you think this group uh, stacks up and who do you see going through? Yeah, I mean, I still think, as, as we said with some other groups, the quality that the Dutch have, the Netherlands are still going to progress. Whether that's first or second, that's to see, but I do think that they realistically should still go first out of their group. Um, you know, the next spot's kind of difficult there. Um, it's it's a bit of a hard one, but I'm going to give Austria the little bit of an edge there. Um, I think that, you know, overall, they might be just a little bit of a better team than, than the others. Um, North Macedonia, I hope that they actually 
get some uh, good games in there, and they actually could potentially nag a win or two. And who knows, they had a little bit of a miracle run to get in there, and maybe they could make a little bit of a push as well with that momentum. But um, but yeah, I definitely I can't put it past the Dutch to make sure they're in, in control of that group. I actually think Ukraine could possibly yeah. get second for that one. So I'm going to go the Dutch and Ukraine to finish one and two for Group C. Group D. We have England, Croatia, Scotland, and the Czech Republic. England, a lot of uh, a pre-tournament favoritism coming into this um, into this Euros. A lot of excitement around that squad. Um, Jono, the Croats, as we always know, um, you still have your Modric. Um, you still have that midfield, which is um, still got a lot of quality in it. So we know the Croatians will be a tough assignment. And obviously, any time... England plays Scotland. It's always yeah. going to be a bit of passion. And the first time the Scottish have been in a major tournament since World Cup 98. So it's been a long wait for the Scottish. Um, how do you see this group stacking up? And uh, do you see Scotland possibly being able to get out of this group? Yeah, so of course England goes in as the favourites in this group. Um, they're one of the favourites for the Euros as a whole. Um, but we know how when it comes to the international stage, sometimes England doesn't always perform to their expectations. I'm still going to push them out of the group. Yep. Now, just because of what the group is, I think there's going to be a lot of close results in this group, which allows for one of those other teams to kind of sneak on in there in the second spot. So I'm actually going to go with Czech Republic, Ooh. who's going to sneak in there Ooh. in that second spot, just because what's not what's going to happen in the other games in comparison that they'll just grind out some results, maybe get two wins there, one or two wins, a draw, and be able to sneak in there in the second uh, second spot because you know sometimes Croatia fumbles it a little bit in that group stage. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my hat to the Czech Republic. Interesting. I'm gonna go with England and Croatia, but I have a feeling Scotland might be able to snag one of those third place spots. Because the other intriguing, I guess, thing about this Euros is it being it's being played all over Europe. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Scotland do have two home games in their group stage, so that could also prove um an advantage at some sort for some of these teams who get those home games. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Group E, we have Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. Now, obviously, a lot of talk about the Spanish. Obviously, we did have that golden generation in the early 2000s, Jono. They've, they've sort of had to progress and move on to the next generation. There's still a lot of quality there. Again, this, I guess the problem with the Spanish is where are the goals going to come from. You obviously have Alvaro Morata up front, the Juventus striker, but he um, can be a little bit hot and cold sometimes when it's put back of the net. You have the talent of Ferran Torres, the young boy from Manchester City, who's shown he can put the ball in the back of the net. But um, how do you see Luis Enrique's team? Uh, how do you see them? And also, obviously, we'll see them progressing out of this group. And um, obviously, you've got Lewandowski for the polls. Yeah. It's, it is a tough one with this group. I think this is, a, 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 like some other groups, a lot harder than what you think it is. Um, you know, Spain, I think, as well, without selecting Ramos as well, as just more of that presence on the field, not necessarily because of his play, but because of his leadership. But then we have Laporte coming over from the <laughs> French. I mean, to say how he well, slides that, in. And that will be interesting yeah. as well. Um, so some new leadership there, essentially, in the back, who's going to be commanding that back line. So how they react to that defensively, I think, will be really interesting. So I don't think that this group necessarily has a clear out-and-out winner um, of this group. It can kind of go either way. I do still see Spain going through. Now, Poland is a great team, but for some reason, personally, I'm not sold on Poland. I think that sometimes it could be very hot and cold, um, and it kind of comes down to Lewandowski. And, of course, you know, give him the ball. He's he's on such a hot streak right now. Um, I will tip them as getting through as well, 
but I don't think you should be counting out Sweden. I think that they're a team that's pretty unselfish when they play. I think it's actually a good thing that Zlatan is not playing with them um, because I think it makes them where they all play for each other just that little bit more. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Sweden kind of sneaks on through. But um, but definitely, I would give um, Spain and Poland right now a little bit of the edge. Oh, I agree with you. I think Lewandowski will uh, prove um, his goal-scoring, I guess, prowess in this group and, and be enough to see the Poles come through second at least behind Spain. The last group, Jono, the group of death, has always won at these tournaments. We have Hungary, Portugal, France, and Germany. Now, what a group that's going to be. Obviously, France defending world champions, in my eyes, the squad they've got, they could pick two or three world-class yeah. teams um, in terms of the quality they have to pick. The Germans are going through a little bit of a um, a change, I guess, a transition. It is Joachim Lowe's uh, last tournament, though, in manager, so that could inspire me. He has brought back Thomas Muller, Matt Hummels also into the squad, so I'm um, a little bit of experience coming back in. And obviously Portugal, another one that's been talked of uh, before the tournament is a team that could potentially defend their title um, and go all the way with the attacking talents they have. Um, how do you see this playing out, Jono? Yeah, of course this is the hardest one of the bunch. You you, um, you have all big dogs there. Um, and any one of them, you could you could present a case for them winning the Euros. Um, the quality that France has, you cannot say that they're not going to get out of this group. Uh, I think it would be a shame if they actually get out in the group stage. Um, they realistically need to be progressing pretty much all the way to the final. So I'm definitely going to give France the edge there. Now then, in my eyes, it comes down to Germany and Portugal for that number two spot. And I think not necessarily because of his play, but because of one individual's want to just constantly win, knowing that his time is almost up, I think that will inspire his team potentially once again. And I think Portugal will be the other team to go through. I think Germany has too much uncertainty right now in terms of their team dynamic and where they actually want to progress to. Um, so I'm going to give Portugal a little bit of the edge there just because I think Ronaldo, not necessarily, like I said, because of his play, but because of his leadership on the field for when he puts on that Portugal jersey, will just make them go that little bit extra edge. And that want is going to be there for Portugal that much more. I agree. I think France and Portugal at the moment, looking at the squads, uh, are most likely to go through. But as I said, the Germans... Yeah. Write them off at your own yeah, uh, you danger, yeah. I guess, because yeah. they always backs against the wall. They will prove tough, and then yeah. Germany in a in a they will wanna um, they wanna want to repeat um, the disaster that was 2018 World Cup and and whatnot. So they'll wanna, especially for some of these players, it could be their last tournament um, together. Yeah. Um, you won't so be they, surprised if they even want it. You know, they will want to yeah. go out on a high and sort of prove some of those doubters wrong. I guess looking at the tournament as a whole, Jono. Um, we did mention he's going to be played all over Europe this year. Do you see any COVID issues arising during the tournament? Obviously, that's always still there in the background. There will be some crowds, limited crowds, uh, depending on where games are going to be played. Um, do you see any COVID issues affecting the tournament um, at all? Yeah, look, I mean, uh, uh, of course, there potentially could be issues, especially with the format that they're going with. But I'm going to try and just be very hopeful that the fact is that they've had so long to plan for this. They've been able to see how other tournaments essentially have worked. Um, they've been able to see and engage from either other, other sports leagues in different countries, their own domestic leagues. So I'm really hoping that they've done enough to learn how to manage this correctly. We don't see anything that's going to be affecting teams essentially because the last thing that we want is for a somebody like a Ronaldo or something like that to not be able to play in the squad, uh, in the team, because of something like a COVID issue. Um, so I am going to be very hopeful 
and hope that there is very limited issues, let's say that, because of the planning that was able to happen and forecasting from other and, and learning from other events that have happened. Fingers crossed, yeah, that there's no COVID issues, especially um, let alone the crowd, but obviously hopefully it doesn't affect any teams yeah. or players um, individually as, as we go into the tournament. I guess the other big issue that's arisen during some of these pre-tournament friendlies, especially within England, has been the issue of the players kneeling. Um, you've had fans booing in England. Obviously, Gareth Southgate come out quite strongly and said that his team will continue to kneel yeah. during the tournament. Um, do you have any thoughts in terms of, obviously, this booing that continues to, to happen because, I guess, fans think you know players are making a political statement. But um, what do you think of, of Gareth Southgate standing the English team stance on that and obviously their reaction to to some of the booing that's happened occurred yeah i mean i would say yeah continue you know keep keep on pressing the issue because it is still an issue um considering that we had issues in terms of racial issues just recently with the with all the finals of the europa league and the champions league final and some of those players were were subject to it so keep doing that and hopefully more teams uh, line up in support i know there's been a lot of um essentially pre-game uh, let's say protesting in a sense for the for World Cup as well for human rights. Um, so I hope that we continue to see that because yeah, it's a state. It, it's it's an opportunity for the players um, to voice their opinions and stand together as one, not necessarily as individuals, and to be backed up by the other teams. I think it would be a great thing. Well, I think the booing just justifies why the players yeah. are still doing it. Um, and it's not a political statement; it's a, it's a social statement as well in regards to the treatment of of. African Americans in, in America and obviously um, the black population in England and, and all over the world that have been uh, that have had to put up with some pretty um, poor standards yeah. and, and host- hostilities I guess shown by obviously the police force um, as well as in uh, general life so I think um, I think it was a really good statement by Gareth out there to come yeah. out and defend his players and, and say that they will continue. We'll be interested to see what the other teams do as well in terms yeah. of some of the other nations because it's not just um, a problem in England or a problem in, in the States. It's, it's a worldwide issue um, with with each nation. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues during the tournament and if fans continue to boo or sections of fans continue to boo um, the kneeling. Yeah, and, and as you said, it's it's not a political issue necessarily. This is this is a human issue. This is this is a individuals that we're talking about, and humans should not be subject to that. Um, and yeah, it's all, it's everybody standing for each other. And it will be interesting to see the other teams, um, because it's not just racism doesn't just happen in one particular area. It's, this is a problem globally. And we, we see that this is a global issue. Um, and we need to just expunge this completely from, from the way that we, uh, present ourselves in everyday life. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, seeing the booing just shows that much more that this needs to be done. Absolutely. But in saying that, Jono, it's prediction time. Um, so we've got a Euro question special today. Um, so B, me and Jono will both be answering the questions. Are we ready to go, Jono? Let's do it. All right. Off the start, who will win Euro 2020, Jono? All right. So, of course, if I was a betting man, I'd go with France. But I'm going to go with my heart. And I think that they're the underdogs that nobody is really talking about. And I think Italy is going to come back from not being at the World Cup. And they take that personally. And they're looking very, very good. And they're going to come in and they're going to win the Euros. I think the Italians are looking good. I think that's not a bad shout, John. I am going to go with France. So I just look at that squad um, and they're just so much quality. And the return of Karen Benzema to that squad has just made it even yeah. more scary. So um, I can't look past France. But obviously, 
it'd be good to see England, um, the Italians, um, and even maybe, say, a Portugal um, could have some really good tournaments as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Who do you think will be the most influential player of the tournament? So not necessarily the best player, but who do you think will have most influence on their team? Yeah, I kind of thought about this one. Um, is it, This is a little bit harder to answer, but I think there's essentially one player who actually sticks out a bit for me, um, and that's if they're going to make a bit of a deep run. I think if England's going to make a deep run, they do need Harry Kane to step up both goal scoring but also in con- contributing, as he has for Tottenham. Um, as we as we said in, this, in the Premier League season, he was not only leader in assists but also in goals. So I think if he is going to be producing like that, I think England can go very far. So I think that his influence on the game is actually going to be um, really, really important as well. I agree. I think Harry Kane, if England are to, to go deep, I think Harry Kane has to have a fantastic tournament. I'm going to go with another French player, though, here, and a lot has been talked about, Angola Conte. Um, the only reason I did have a think about this, but I just think the beauty of his game is that he makes other players play better. There's a reason why Paul Pogba looks so much better in a French shirt than he does in a Manchester United shirt. It's because of the players around him, and Angola Conte is a key to that. Um, I think his unselfish work goes unnoticed a lot of the time um, because he isn't the most flashiest player. He's not the one that's going to be scoring um, assisting all the time, but I think he's key to that French squad um, going on and winning this tournament. If he has a good tournament, I think France are going to be yeah. very hard yeah. to beat because yeah. he's such a key cog. So N'Golo Conte, for me, um, I think is going to be one of the most influential players in this tournament. Definitely. Here's an interesting one. Who will be the best young player in the tournament? There are some great young players. Obviously, Definitely. some we know, some we haven't heard of as of yet, Jono. Who do you think is going to have the most influence as a young player in this tournament? So I kind of thought about this in terms of which young player is going to essentially have the biggest impact on their respected team. Um, and I think that this player, although we've been, you know, his name has been in and around, he plays at a big club. Um, I think Frankie de Jong is actually going to have, he's still quite young, and I think that he is going to have a major role if Netherlands are going to go far in this. And for that reason, I think that he's going to be very influential because what he's going to do is the Netherlands needs someone to rely on, and I think that he has the creativity. And when he puts on that shirt as well, he plays quite well because he has a little bit more freedom um, and ability to create and be that player. Um, I think sometimes certain players need to be the one that their team depends on for them to play that much better. Although he plays great at Barcelona, you know, Barcelona has Messi that they depend on, whereas in the Netherlands, they need to depend on him to keep producing. So I think that he's going to have an outstanding tournament, hopefully, um, and that in turn will make the Netherlands go quite far. I'm going to go for another young Dutch midfielder as well. Keep an eye out for this name, Ryan Gravenberch. He's an Ajax product. He's 19 years of old. He's been compared to a Paul Pogba. Um, silky player, tall, strong, um, and a huge talent coming out of Ajax. Um, I may have said Ronald De Boer last time. Coach Frank De Boer for the Dutch team. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he uses him, um, but Ryan Gravenberch uh, is an immense talent, so keep an eye out for him, and hopefully he gets some minutes mm. um, in the Dutch team. Which big nation will go home first? Yeah, so I guess I kind of said this when I was doing my group predictions, but I think it's going to be Croatia. Um, you know, Croatia, of course, had this great run in the last World Cup and everything like that. I just think that sometimes they're inconsistent. Um, and sometimes they don't necessarily get it done as, as easy as it should be, and they make it a lot harder for themselves at times. So I think that they're going to essentially be the, the first set of, let's call them the bigger nations that are a bit more household names in the current um, status right now. I think they'll be the first one to kind of be sent home. I think Germany. As much as we said the Germans will come back, I actually think the Germans will go home early out of this tournament. I just 
I just think um, there's just other teams at the moment that have gone ahead of the Germans, and I think they will be back, but I just have a feeling this isn't the tournament that's going to happen for the Germans. And last one, who will be the top goal scorer at the Euros this year? Oh, easy one for me right now. He's back. Benzema will be the top scorer. Mate, he is so good, and when he's going to be surrounded by all these players as well, feeding him the ball, and all he has to do is just tap it in every two seconds, you, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, look at what he was able to do with Ronaldo when he used to play with him. Now he has Mbappe and Griezmann um, on the left and right of him, and it's just going to be phenomenal to watch him play. And of course, in my mind as well, you have to think about the player who's going to go furthest in the tournament, and France is clearly going to go far in this tournament. I agree. I've gone for Cameron Benzema. I think he's going to justify his return to the French national team. Um, and he could potentially uh, take home a Euro medal or winner's medal at the end of this tournament if he has a great tournament. So Karen Benzema, for me, will be top goal scorer. Nonetheless, it'll be a magnificent tournament. Hopefully, um, as we said, there'll be no COVID um, issues out of this tournament. It runs smoothly. Um, it'll be a great festival of football um, and hopefully hotly contested with uh, a few teams um, right there potentially win this tournament um so jono should be a great great entertainment oh excited for this one great entertainment everybody should be watching like we said anything could happen with this all the top teams any of them could win you can put an argument for any of them so keep an eye out for it because as we keep progressing with this it's just going to be uh good to watch reminder it all begins saturday morning at 5 a.m italy will play turkey um in the first match of euro 2020 live on optus sports so um Get yourself up on Saturday morning and, and watch the first match. Should be a great one between Italy and Turkey. Well, that brings to the end the episode, another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, thank you for your support and good night.